This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz.
Kiora Tefano, thank you so much for coming backstage for another trip along the uh, Light Fantastica across the stage, as it were, with uh, me, Mike Williams, and my good friend Melissa, who is going to be with us in just a moment. This is Backstage with Mel and Mike, and uh, that song was Till I Hear You Sing from the original London cast recording of Love Never Dies. And we will be delving into Love Never Dies a bit later on. It's uh, one of Mel's favourites, as she says, probably nobody else's, but still, we'll, we'll take that as it is. Last week's musical of the week was Singing in the Rain. You couldn't get more different, I don't think. Anyway, catch up on all our podcasting platforms if you want to catch up on last week's show. There was a lot in it, and uh, we want to get actually focused more on what we're going to be doing today before we get too much further down the track. Love Never Dies, the unanticipated sequel to Phantom of the Opera. I don't know that I've heard anybody ever say, other than Mel, is one of my favourites, and here she is now. She's just... Waltzed into the studio. Oh, I'm so sorry for being late. <laughs> it's uh, okay. That's what we're here for. I hope to catch it. Ca- I hope to walk in during the, uh, that opening track. But love never dies that, is that one of my favorites. That would have been a hell of an entrance, wouldn't it? I would, must say, yeah. I was really oh, going for it. You would have had a follow spot. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're in a slightly reminiscent mood tonight as well because oh, yeah. we made a decision that we need to put the show into hiatus for a bit, just a little while, maybe. Not, not that we're sick of it. Not that we're sick of you but we just feel like uh, life's pretty busy for both of us at the moment. And after 120-odd episodes that we've uh, muddled our way through, it's time to just sort of take stock for a bit and give ourselves a bit of a breather. So uh, we will be bowing out gracefully at the end of the show, but not for long. No, I think we should Hopefully come back. I think we should come back. And and like Mike said, we're not. it, we, it has nothing to do with being sick of the show because it's so rewarding to sit here every week and, yeah, and we, nerd we, out. If you've ever contemplated making a podcast, doing it week in, week out is actually quite a commitment. Mm. And uh, for both of us, we have fairly busy day jobs and a bunch of other stuff we do extracurricularly. As you know. That's a word, as you know. (laughs) And putting together a show each week does take a lot of effort and a lot of work. But every time we do it, we think, oh, well, that was fun. It was worth it. We will be back. We'll certainly be back. You can't keep us away for too long. But before we temporarily leave you in the airways, uh, one last guest. Yes, indeed, one last guest. Uh, the comedy that is the Fundale Avenue Housing Estate Towns Women's Guild Dramatic Society production of Macbeth, and yes, that, as we've said before, is the full title of the show. Before it sees the intrepid ladies and some of their male friends embarking on a startling original production of Macbeth, which they hope uh, will get them into the local drama festival finals, uh, we need to find out a bit more about it so that you, a uh, gentle listener, can um, feel motivated to go and support the production which is happening at Tawamutu Light Operatic Society stage uh, the Woolshed Theatre in Tawamutu That is um, right the, um, the plot is fairly straightforward I think but anyway we need to find out more Yeah I think we do and so to tell us more about the show, about the inner workings of Tawamutu Light Operatic Society we welcome Dave Moore backstage Hi, how's it going? How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. Thank <laughs> you. stressed. Yeah. <laughs> play coming up. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. For those who don't know, Dave Moore is the director of the play and uh, it hits the stage on Saturday, which is looming very, very closely. Dave, you must be feeling good about where you sit right now. Um, yep, just next to the door is the quickest way out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually really enjoying the way that people are at the moment and the way that the team are working together. Um, 
in in a situation where the, the, some of them don't even they've never worked in that area before because they're they're normally musical musical based type actors, but they've they've taken it by both hands and uh, they're really actually having good fun. They're Joel Janning is a good team. That's good to hear. Mm. Let's circle back on that actually because mm. you touched on one thing I wanted to cover off today anyway, which is uh, Tower Mutu Light Operatic Society or Talos as we've come to know it. Mm. Obviously, because of their name, they have a tradition of doing musical stuff on their stage. Yep. But doing plays is not out of the ordinary for them, but I gather that they've taken a new direction and decided this is going to be more regular. You've got the Tiawamutu Little Theatre, and they tend to put on a lot of sort of independent type little tiny plays and that, but they haven't got the seating capacity. And the Warshed has its layout of a, a traditional theatre. It's the central aisle, 90 seats, nice high stage. And it's, it's a nice, pleasant size, uh, not too big, not too small. And... Normally, they will always do musicals, as you say. The committee decided they wanted to move away because there, there is a larger audience out there. There is an audience of people who go to musicals. There's an audience of people who go to repertory shows. And that's what they wanted to tap into. But they didn't know how to do that. And it came about by a, an accident, really, in, in that a show was put on, directed by um, a lady by the name of Coral Taylor. And um, it was called Fur Coat No Knickers, written by Mike Harding, uh, a UK northern satirist author and I was cast in that playing the granddad and we, we had discussions around the fact that I was repertory and they asked for pointers and that just other actors saying how do you do this and how do you do that and that's sort of how it evolved so the next time an opportunity came up for a play to be proposed they actually asked me to propose one and put one forward and I said well look I'd like to go with um, Calendar Girls which they may perceive as being a big name uh, type of production to put in there but I just said to them, I said look, I, I can pull this off and do this, mm. um, it also means that we can raise money for leukemia lymphoma uh, very much uh, a, a greatly uh, supported charity in New Zealand and um, it had a lot of meaning to that so I managed to persuade them with that and off the back of that they've asked me to then propose more shows and they're looking to do like one, at least one per year where it's a repertory production uh, to tap into that audience and get more audience from across the whole white part. Well, it's a, the very practical point of view is that they want to get more bumps on seats more often through the year, but yep. it's good to see them diversifying, if you like, yep. and deciding that the space can be used for more than just doing the musical mm. presentations. Yeah. What does it mean in terms of educating people about how to present a play rather than a musical? You get people that work in both areas and, and enjoy both areas, and you get people that concentrate on one element only. That's because... Uh, the discipline of working, as you, as you would know, is, is totally different to each other. Uh, the, the way that you present yourself to the audience is done in such a different way whereby that fourth wall is continuously broken because you are delivering everything to an audience member, whereas in repertory that fourth wall is just an invisible brick wall and the audience are having a little sneak preview of what goes on in that world and you don't even know the people are out there. So trying to get people to understand that these people out here don't exist, they're just a, a fly-on-the-wall type documentary sort of thing, helps them to understand what they're going to do here because they can't see these people. So I just say, if this scene would be in your kitchen, would you stand next to your edge of your kitchen door and then look at everybody in the lounge and talk this way? Or would you just shout out? Oh, I'd shout out. Well, of course you would. And that's what you're going to do on stage. And, right. and that's that continuous sort of like reinforcing it and saying... Just do it like you do normally. Just be a normal human being. Just be a normal human yeah, being. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about future plans in a moment, but first of all, tell us about this play. Give us the name again. <laughs> I'd lo love to hear somebody say it who knows it. <laughs> who knows it? I hope I get it right because I, I get it wrong every other day. So it's the um, the Farndale Avenue Townswinds Guild Ladies 
version of Macbeth. <laughs> There's another right. bit I've missed out again, so yeah, <laughs> I do it every time. <laughs> but it's the Farndale, Farndale Avenue Housing Estates Townswomen's Guild's version of Macbeth. That's okay. that, yeah. Mm. yeah. All right, tell us, where did it come from and how did you come across it and why, why did you want to present it? Walter Zerlin Jr., who was a stand-up comedian and writer in the UK and... Uh, David McGillivray, um, another like-minded writer, they were actually doing um, sketches for the Fringe, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and this evolved and came about when it was actually outside of that period where they actually talked in a, in a, like a, a social atmosphere where they said, a stand-up comedian can't write a funny play, a stand-up comedian can't write a serious play, a stand-up comedian can't write a play. So well, they said, well, there's a challenge there. And they mm. said, give us a journal send us away and do it and someone said okay shakespeare and it goes wrong and they're okay fine that was the premise go away can it be done so they did it and they then come up with this idea of um a fictional group of ladies that belong to a, a fictitious housing estate theater group that like to do theater think they, they're fantastic at theater <laughs> but in reality they're absolutely dire and in doing so, they just carry on regardless. It doesn't matter. The show must go on. We're just going to carry on. <laughs> Whatever inevitably happens at the other end, we'll get there anyway. And they put it on, and it was very, very popular. And they, the audience loved it. And they then started writing others. So they followed that up with the, the Farndale Ladies Avenue Townswomen's Guild Mikado. They then followed that up with the Murder Mystery, which was based around the Agatha Christie's. Um, Christmas Carol, another one as well there. Mm. Um, they've got one that's all based around um, aliens land in Farndale and kidnap the, the, the theatre group and take them <laughs> away. And, and they, they wreck the planet and that sort of thing. So <laughs> it just sort of comes from that. Um, I saw the play about 14, 15 years ago, and I found it very, very funny. Uh, it was very, it was enjoyable, and it was done very, very well. It was directed very, very well, and I thought this is, this is, this is. It covers what I enjoy about theatre if you get the chance, and that is the meta theatre of breaking that that fourth wall. Opportunity is there. The seriousness of trying to do something, even though you're doing it bad. That's something like Shakespeare that's very well known, and something that's going to go wrong because we all know in every theatre production <laughs> because it's live you can't dictate what's going to happen and something goes wrong every night even if it's something as small as a, a line gets missed and you've got to cover that line and we've all had those elements and to make that as, as something as a funny and point it out in a humorous way makes it makes it appealing to me that's a good one take the piss a bit out of the things that we cock up every, <laughs> excuse my french cock up every now and then it's quite a fertile area to be in, though, isn't it? And, and quite a popular one, too. Mm. And you think about productions like The Play That Goes Wrong and probably many others where you yeah. know, mm. people doing pratfalls and ending up with mistakes yeah. that just compound each other. It, it, it's good stuff to watch. Yeah, It's morbid curiosity, as you said uh, <laughs> you said before, schadenfreude. Is, is, is that it? <laughs> that is schadenfreude, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And there is that, that element of, of it because it, when you... Uh, Everyone loves to see somebody else's misery because it, it makes them feel better temporarily, I suppose. Yeah. At least it's not me. Yeah, at least yeah. it's not me. Yeah. So this hits the stage on Saturday the 3rd. Mm -hmm. How long is the season? It's running for two weeks from the 3rd till the 17th. 
Okay. Um, we open on Saturday. We have two matinees, and it's going to be a, a very enjoyable ride to see to see the people go through this. I don't think they're going to be the same again when they get to the end of it. They'll be. I'm hoping they're going to come back at the end of it, and someone says, "Oh, do you want to be Miss Saigon?" No, thanks. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your goal. <laughs> Turn them off musicals. <laughs> Is this the thin end of the wedge? Are we going to see others out of that Fundal series uh, come to the stage in Tauamutu? Yes, I've I've got the murder mystery is on my my next on the list. Cool. Uh, it's the same cast. It's the same ladies from the same from the same place. So every play has something strange that happens in it that is a, a thread throughout every single one. And there's and there's so many different little tableaus that they've that they've inserted that have become a continuous thread okay. of things cool. happening. I like a good continuing joke. Yeah. But I gather that's not going to be happening next year. No, next year I have uh, secured the rights for the UK version of The Full Monty. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, the premise around, obviously, the people know the premise of the show. And it's it's taken directly from the UK movie. And they've lifted the dialogue straight out of that. Um, whereas the original production that was on there prior to that was the production set in America. Um, I think it was set around Boston or Chicago area. And mm. this is the one that's set in Sheffield. Um, I'm timing it for September of next year. And the reason I'm timing it for September of next year is I'm raising money for prostate cancer as well. Okay. Um, what a great cause. Uh, for Calendar Girls, it was for leukemia lymphoma. And we raised $3,500 wow. uh, for Cancer New Zealand. So the big thing we're working on here is I wanted to time it and be like, it's the brother show to Calendar Girls, really. Mm. Uh, it's time for the men to get the kit off. Here, <laughs> <Yeah>, here. <yeah. laughs> but let's do it in a good way and raise money for some a charity for that. And it's a, it's something that I pushed and pushed for, and then I said to the society, this auditorium lends itself very well for me to put this on. Mm. So I've persuaded them to go with it, and hopefully we'll get that up and running uh, for September of next year. So we'll be looking for some brave men. Yes, yes, I know. I've, I've been, I've been interested, I've... Mike? <laughs> he is. Look at his face. He is vaguely interested. <laughs> yeah, let's go there to Tamaru and see Mike get his kid oh, off. I'm not committing to anything. I did my first nude scene when I was 50, so... You know. Watch this space, guys. I reckon we're going to check Mike auditioning. <laughs> Well, there's a character called Horse, but I don't know why, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know exactly why. So just to be clear, we are talking about um, the play, the full Monty here, right, as opposed to the musical. Right? Yes, not the musical, it's yeah. the play. Because yeah, the musical is yeah. the one that's set in America, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's actually the play, and the, the entire script is lifted straight out of the film. Right. Yeah. What else have you got in your bag of tricks? Um, I've been asked, uh, they, they asked if it would spam a lot, uh, would I direct spam a lot if somebody did the musical direction on it? Um... I had the rights to Noises Off a couple of years ago and I didn't manage to get it cast at the time, but uh, that's another one I can look at again because mm -hmm. I've, oh, been, be keen on that. I've been in Noises Off and I love the slickness of the play and it's just such a fantastic, high-octane, charged play to do, so I'd love to do that one again. Mm -hmm. But I'd also, I've, I've also come up with a, a few that I've seen which I think myself, well... I'd love to do that. For about the last four or five years, I've been trying to persuade anybody anywhere to let me do Evil Dead the musical because it's out there. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the opening song, I just love it. So, and obviously I can't repeat it on air because it's, a, it's the F word. So. <laughs> Is it licensable? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No. It, they did it and it was off Broadway. So um, I'd, I'd love to have the chance to do that. Mm. Get some squibs going. <laughs> so you've got plenty of ambition then. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to keep you busy. What about performance-wise? Because you're, you're an actor of some repute as well. 
I've just been cast as Widow Twanky in the uh, Gaslight Theatre's um, Aladdin. Um, it's I love my serious plays. It's, it's very much a, a I, I, try, I, I work out on play. That, uh, for me, a play is either an audience play or an actor's play in, in my mind. An audience play is something that is probably a comedy, nothing too too deep. And I'm not saying that the audience don't aren't too deep people, but that tends to bring crowds in better with a with a light hearted comedy as opposed to a, a heavy type of drama or melodrama. They're my favourite. I my I love um, Pinter um, is one of my favourite uh, playwrights. But saying that, Aladdin's for the pantomime for this year, and as I say, I'm, I'm playing Widow Twanky, so it gives me a chance just to sort of get out of myself again and get amongst the audience and uh, get some lippy on. Well, there's something <laughs> fun about being that ridiculous character, isn't <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah. That comic relief. Mm, and Yeah. 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 Mm. You'll well, enjoy it. You're doing a lot of stuff by the sound of it. It comes in fits and starts. I have a long period, sort of, like, I had a couple of years where I, I, I sort of stepped away. I think it was... Um, I had one particular year in Cambridge where I'd, I'd got to a point where I wanted to be in a play, but I spoke to the director and um, I just said at the time... I'm, I'm not auditioning, even though I know you've expected me to audition. Oh, why is that? Because, because I've been overexposed on this stage. Mm. So many people have seen me in subsequent plays, and I need to take, take a step away from it. So I took a step away for a couple of years, away from theatre You completely. have to a little bit sometimes, yeah. especially when you realise and you make those yeah. discoveries. You yeah. sort of have to. It's when you get people coming up to you saying, oh, and who are you playing this time? And it's like, well, yeah. there's a bit yeah. of an overexposure there. I need to take a break. So. Yeah. I've heard a lesson for all of us, isn't mm. that? Yeah, mm. isn't there, just mm. yeah. yeah. I'll be saying that at the end of this year too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, we hope we get many broken legs for this coming Saturday for the Fandol play. Oh, and, um, I hope so too. It's been really good to catch up with you and get uh, an insight as to what's making you tick and also what's making town took these days. Mm, mm. It's good. Really pleased to hear that they're branching out and, and offering more uh, in their space because it is, Walshed Theatre is a, a terrific space. Mm. And they're really well equipped. Yes, they've got a very good, very good setup. And um, I just, the, the whole aesthetic of it is, it, it, it's pleasing when you arrive there. You know, it's, mm. it's a happy theatre. You get some theatres that are not very happy. It's a happy theatre, so it makes you feel that way. Yeah, Excellent. yeah I like it there. Yeah. Well, mm. Break leg, and thank you for coming to join us. Oh, yeah, thank thanks you for, for inviting thanks me. Thanks for being brave enough to come backstage with us. <laughs> thank you for inviting me along. Oh, what a what an interesting conversation that was. What a nice guy. Yeah. I like I like Dave. Yeah. Well, so you can book your tickets and fill your calendars. Here is our non-existent law. Non-existent. Oh, why Not can't a- I get this? <laughs> Non-exhaustive list of what's coming up around the place soon. Cue shuffling of papers and stuff. All right. Start with the meteor. I'll start with the meteor. That bloody woman, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewin for Bold Theatre, it's on stage right now until September third. But I think there's yeah. only a handful of tickets left, if at all. I think for the matinee on Saturday there might yeah. be a couple. I went on Saturday night, and I have to say, huge kudos to Courtney and to Kyle for really imaginative telling of a story that's already been told a few times really well. Recently. This is my fourth time that I've seen it, and it was just so refreshing and in your face and full of passion and attitude and everything, and it was great. Nice. Really enjoyed it. Well, go see it if you can catch tickets yeah, to if that you matinee. Can, if you can 
mug somebody and grab their tickets too. <laughs> <laughs> also at the Meteor, Owls Do Cry, presented by Red Leap Theatre and directed by Malia Johnston. That's from the 26th to the 28th of October. At Riverley Theatre, we have Geezers on at the moment. Uh, that's the play that I directed for Hamilton Playbox. It, it runs until September the 3rd, which is this coming Saturday. Twas the Fight Before Christmas is coming up. That's by Devin Williamson, directed by Lorna Ashton, opening on the 15th to uh, and running to the 29th of October. And Saturday Night Fever, our end-of-year musical, is opening on November the 19th, running to the 10th of December. At Clarence Street Theatre, Krishnan's Dairy, presented by Indian Inc. That's coming up September the 8th until the 10th. And I know Grease the Musical is coming up at the end of November as well. Oh, I hadn't seen dates for that, so yeah, thanks for that. Navarra Lounge, open mic night tonight and every Wednesday. Doors are open at 6.30. If you haven't booked to perform, you're probably going to miss out, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to book if you want to be on stage. The Preconditioned Hori by Charles in Charge is a Māori hip-hop experience, 9 o'clock to uh, late this coming Friday. And she came Black River album release party is 8 o'clock this coming Saturday. I can also tell you that at Navarra Lounge, The Pillow Man by Martin yeah. McDonough is going on stage. It's coming up. And that's a big uh, big thing for Ivan. He's always wanted to have a bit of drama on the stage there. Now he's getting his wish. So now his own, his very own theatrical production happening yeah. at Navarra Lounge in the last week of October, right before Halloween. Really looking forward to that. And as you just heard Dave talk about at the Woolshed Theatre in Tiamudu, the Farndale Avenue Housing Estate Townswoman's Guild Dramatic Society's production of Beth, presented by Talos from the 3rd to the 17th of September. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, Aladdin the Pantomime, directed by Tracy Barlow, hitting the stage in November. And Matamata Dramatic Society have revived At the Sign of the Crippled Harlequin by Norman Robbins. It's directed by Glenn Rousel from the 24th of September to the 1st of October. You say revived, yeah, they breathed, breathed life back into it because about a year ago they were going to do it. So at least they brought it back. Potaruru Theatre Players, The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie is opening on September the the, September the 9th, runs to the 13th. Thames Music and Drama have Legacy. It's a play written by written and directed by Christina Walton. That's opening on the 17th of September and runs until the 24th. Coromandel Players, The Bicycle and the Butcher's Daughter uh, by Arts on Tour, 25th of October for that. Rotorua Musical Theatre have The Colour Purple, directed by Ngahiriwa Rohina, from September the 30th until October the 15th. In Tauranga, 16th Avenue Theatre have Up North by Pip Hall, opens September the 30th and uh, September 16th and runs to the 30th. And Aladdin, the 80s pantomime, has just been cast. That is scheduled for January of next year. Detour Theatre also staging The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. Their season opens on the 8th of September. And We Will Rock You from Tauranga Musical Theatre is on at Baycourt Theatre, opening September 14th, running to October the 2nd. Coming up for them, The Last Five Years, directed by Philly Holmes, and that will be on stage in November. Trick over to see that one. I'm a big fan. Auckland Theatre Company have Dawn Raids by Oscar Kitely. That's running just for a couple more performances until September the 3rd. They have had amazing reviews for that too. It looks really good. The Maid by Emily Perkins, directed by Colin McColl. That runs from September the 20th until October the 8th. And North by Northwest, adapted by Carolyn Burns and directed by Simon Phillips. That goes on stage October the 25th until November the 19th. Auckland Live uh, promoting James Brody, the Becoming Brody Tour, 9th and 10th of September. And Come From Away, just giving you the update on that, it's been rescheduled to August next year. I think we've mentioned that before. Watch the space or get your early bird tickets right now. Go online, have a squiz, see if you can find them. Christmas is coming up, guys. I really want tickets. <laughs> 
upcoming auditions and opportunities. Tauranga Musical Theatre are, can't believe this has come around so quickly, holding auditions for their summer season of Newsies Junior. Uh, from October the 6th through to the 9th, you can check out their Facebook page for details on how to book a slot for your young one. Go so busy over in Tauranga. Don't forget, in our temporary absence over the months ahead, to uh, get yourself out there and see as much theatre as you possibly can. You owe it to yourself and you also owe it to the groups that uh, like your support. Well, that's right. Not only are you supporting the community that you come from, you're doing a buttload of learning and opinion forming. Yeah, and I've always had that uh, belief, you know, that um, it's not the world's best look to never go to anything and then expect others to come and see your own projects, you know? Yeah. You need to support each other. It's a small pool that we swim in. That's right. And like you say, it's a buttload of learning that you get from watching other people do their stuff. You get inspired. Well, you do, don't you? Even if it's... I don't think I would do that. <laughs> what oh, yeah, what goes true. around... That is true. What comes goes around, around comes around every single time. Miss <laughs> Jerry. I'm not afraid of him. I've bested him before. And if he ever had the courage to meet me face to face, man to man... No. No, it can't be. Not afraid of me, you say? Stay back, or I'll kill you, I promise you. Of course. As you say, you've beaten me before. But that was a long time ago, Vicon. And we were playing a different game. Look at you. Deep in debt. Stinking drunk. Pitiful. Shall we too make a bet? Devil take the hindmost. Look at you. Foul as sin. Hideous. Horrible. Call the stakes. Deal me in. Devil take the hindmost. Ah, Christine shall choose tonight. Let her choose. Is she yours or mine? Draw the line. If she sings, you lose tonight. I won't lose. You leave from here. Fine. Disappear. Fine. And if she won't, if I win, all your debts. Wiped away. Very well. Let's begin. Devil take the hindmost. You think oh, you have the odds? It's your own control. You've every fixed the dice. Well, I will gladly roll. I'll bet against the house. I'll rearrange down. Fate has redesigned on my side. I won her long ago. I won her from you. Then I wait her even now. I'll win her back again. And when the game is done, either way, devil take the hindmost. Now Christine shall choose at last Is she yours or mine? We've a son, a bond secure Are you sure? What? Are you so sure? What do you mean? Such a child, strange to see Different, musical Huh? Is he more, you or me? Which one do you find most? You lie. Feel the call your bluff. Let them the game fall. is on. Choose your hand. We'll see. Try your best. Who wins out? He who Once wins. and for all. Wins it all. Devil take the hindmost. 
Deal the call your bluff. Let them fall. Game is on. Choose your hand. We'll see. Try your best. Who wins out? He who wins for all wins it all. Devil take the hindmost. She walks. You leave together. Pockets full. Debts paid. She sings. You leave alone. Devil take the hindmost. My God, what have I done? Look at me. The concert's only hours away. Oh my God. What Look at him. Look at me. You're still backstage with Mel and Mike. That was Devil Take the Hindmost from our musical of the week, Love Never Dies, introduced to us all by Mel this week, and it's time to spill the beans. What do you know about this thing? Well, I know quite a lot, actually. Funnily enough. <laughs> so, Love Never Dies actually came to me in the form of a novel uh, that I got out from the library when I was about 14. Um, and it's a 1991 novel, not written by Gaston Leroux in the 1900s or whenever that was. Um, and so it, it, while it was the reason I was instantly interested in a Phantom sequel, the musical does not follow the plot of the novel. So I'll let me divulge to you now. Well, that's confusing. I know. Just stay with me. I'm trying. You can. You can do it. This is... Yeah, okay. Okay. So, Love Never Dies is another romantic musical with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber, lyrics by Glenn Slater, and a book by Lloyd Webber, Ben Elton, Frederick Forsyth, and Glenn Slater. And it is a sequel to the long-running 1986 musical The Phantom of the Opera and was loosely adapted from Forsyth's 1999 novel The Phantom of Manhattan. Okay. So it had just only been out for maybe four or five years when I read it. The plot is not based on the storyline in the original 1910 novel by Gaston LaRue. Lloyd Webber stated, I don't regard this as a sequel. It is a standalone piece. I really do not believe that you have to have seen Phantom of the Opera to understand Love Never Dies. The musical is set in 1907, which Lloyd Webber states is 10 years roughly after the end of the original Phantom. In the show, Christine Daae is invited by Oscar Hammerstein I for her American debut until an anonymous impresario contracts her to perform at Phantasma, a new attraction on Coney Island. <laughs> With her husband Raoul and son, Gustav in tow, she journeys to Brooklyn unaware that it is actually the Phantom who has arranged her appearance in the popular beach resort. And we won't talk about the fact that the attraction is called Phantasma and she <laughs> and still has still no she idea. she no idea. Right, okay. So you're, sus you're already <laughs> suspending your disbelief. Prepare to do a bit more of that. Okay. Although, I'm with you, I'm with you. You're with me? Okay, yep. good. Although Lloyd Webber began working on Love Never Dies in 1990, it wasn't until 2007 that he began writing the music. The show opened at the Adelphi Theatre in London's West End in March of 2010, and it was originally directed by Jack O'Brien and choreographed by Jerry Mitchell, but the show closed for four days in November of 2010 for substantial rewrites, which were overseen by Lloyd Webber, and it reopened with new direction from Bill Kenwright. So it tells you a little bit about... Did that, what's fascinating is that four days, and they do all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Re well, Rejig the thing, get it back on. Andrew Lloyd Webber goes, nah, I don't like it, pull it, pull it. Wow. It doesn't matter who's bought the tickets. Yeah. He's pulling it. Okay. 
Um, the original London production received mostly negative reviews, but a subsequent Australian production featuring an entirely new design team and heavy revisions was generally better received, although the show finally closed with heavy discounting to tickets. A planned Broadway production, which was to have opened simultaneously with the West End run, was cancelled, the amount of negative press having deterred potential backers. Wow. So we're not off to a good start. The first London class cast included Ramin Karamlu as The Phantom and Sarah Bogus as Christine, who had also featured as Phantom and Christine in The Phantom on the West End prior. Um, they p- performed in the 25th anniversary edition of Phantom, the All DVD right. version yep. at Royal Albert Hall. Um, so I'm, oh, he's good, he's good, he is. Uh, in November of 2010, Lloyd Webber closed, as I mentioned, the London productions, the London production for a few days to work, rework the show after poor critical response. The musical was reviewed again at Lloyd Webber's invitation with critic Henry Hitchings, noting that some of the most obvious alterations stem from the recruitment of lyricist Charles Hart to adjust the cadences of the original clunky lines written by Glenn Slater. Yeek. Mm. He further pointed out there are also lots of bracing directorial touches. The show is credited to Jack O'Brien but it is new choreographer Bill Deemer and producer Bill Kenwright who have added the zest. So that first production really was slated. The London production closed in August of 2011 after a disappointing run of fewer than 18 months. And then in 2012, Andrew Lloyd Webber stated that he was very, very proud of the London production, but it didn't, not, it didn't completely work. And he also said something just went slightly wrong. <laughs> That's a bit of an understatement, really, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> Sounds like Very something much. he might say. Yeah. The hoped-for Broadway production was announced as a delayed to spring 2011. Lloyd Webber also announced that Asian and Canadian productions were planned, although these were subsequently dropped, and the show has still not played on Broadway. Also in 2010, Lloyd Webber announced that the Australian production would open in May of 2011 at Melbourne's Regent Theatre. This production, the first outside of the UK, featured that new direction and design by the Australian creative team and included the director Simon Phillips and the cast Ben Lewis and Anna O'Byrne, uh, cast as the leads Phantom and Christine. Before that show's opening, uh, Simon Phillips addressed the negative reaction of fans to of Phantom to the London production, stating that I think the majority of the noise about Love Never Dies wasn't literary. They didn't care that Andrew was creating a sequel to the original story. However, Love Never Dies is not a sequel to Gaston Leroux's original novel in which the character of Phantom dies at the end. Phillips additionally addressed the audience's, wait for it, suspension of disbelief with regard to the plot of Love Never Dies. So the central plot idea is that the Phantom and Christine have slept together uh, in Phantom. And if people don't buy that, then they're just never going to come on board with Love Never Dies. They're not going to respond to it. And you can do your own research if you're vaguely interested in what I mean by that. I didn't want to give you all the spoilers. No, fair enough. I I just find it interesting that... um it's slightly disingenuous of Andrew Lloyd Webber to think he could write something that would stand alone when using the same characters out of a previous successful show. Very And successful. then claim that it's not a sequel. Of course, people's expectations are going to be that they're going to it's see echoes of the original story. It's a se- it's, it's so it is a sequel. The same characters set 10 years after the events of... Yeah, it's, a, it's a sequel in every, every sense other than him calling it a sequel. <laughs> So, of course, real hard, die-hard fans of the original Phantom are going to look at this and say, but it doesn't meet our expectations. It's not what we want. Lots and lots of fans 
and I've I've read on the forums and talked to people I know about you know what they think of it, and most people I talk to aren't they don't buy it. Yeah, Phantom and Christine do not have sex, and that when they go down to the um, what are they called? You know, the catacombs. The, the catacombs. That's it. Uh, okay, but I've interrupted your train of thought. Yes, you have. So go and go and look at the story because I make your own opinion. Uh, the Melbourne production was filmed in September of 2011, made available on DVD and played in select theatres in February and March of 2012. Andrew Lloyd Webber stated at that time that even if a Broadway production didn't happen, he felt that he had closed the chapter on the piece as the film version is something he's very, very proud of. Uh, and that's the version of the show that I have seen and really enjoy. Okay. Um, so as well, it's on YouTube. It's well worth checking out. It's free. Uh, it has played professionally on a US tour in Copenhagen, Tokyo, Vienna, Hamburg, and the Melbourne production was to embark on a world tour in 2020. Uh, you can guess what happened to that tour. It didn't happen. It didn't. didn't. Thanks, COVID. In a three-star review from The Guardian's Michael Billington, he said, There is much to enjoy in Andrew Lloyd Webber's new musical. The score is one of the composer's most seductive. However, Billington said, The problem lies within the book which lacks the weight to support the imaginative superstructure. He continues, The staging is a constant source of iridescent pleasure, but, as one of the lyrics reminds us, diamonds never sparkle bright unless they are set just right. With a libretto to match the melodies, this might have been a stunner rather than a simply just good night out. Okay, that's probably fair comment. Yeah. And Tim Walker of the Sunday Telegraph, praised the production for what are undoubtedly the most impressive special effects to be had in the West End and said the principal sang with gusto, charisma and sexiness. Still, he found himself yearning after a while for the big showstopper and it never came. And don't get me wrong, uh, like I've said, I can understand where the hating come from, comes from. Uh, why sequel when you don't really need to sequel when it's the first one so successful and doing so well still? Um, and especially when it requires a large part of your audience base t- to forget something they passionately remember from mm. Phantom in order to buy into the sequel's plotline. Yeah. Uh, so I get it. I, I personally choose to just suspend my disbelief. Okay, so you're a fan? Yeah. You, you don't care that Some other people like music in there. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, is, is your um, is your liking of the thing really sort of more centered around the musicality of it? Because it, it's a very substantial songs. Well, the the song, yes, yes, and no. I have always been a sucker. I always, I guess, for want of a better term, shipped Phantom and Christine. I always wanted them to end up together at the end, mm. and this gave me that. Fair enough. Let's carry on. I should have known 
time when the world thought me dead my christine on that night just before you were wed my christine Once there was a night beneath a moonless sky too dark to see a thing too dark to even try I stood to your side to Stood 
whisper a goodbye and slipped into the dark beneath the moonless sky. is vintage Lloyd Webber isn't it the treatment so good isn't it I I really feel like it's great you're backstage that was Beneath a Moonless Sky from Musical of the Week Love Never Dies which I really enjoyed sharing with you and that uh, is our last Musical of the Week uh, for this current series of Backstage and I was just thinking as as we were listening to that it's quite remarkable. We've done nearly two and a half years of shows and we have never repeated a musical of the week. We just about did. <laughs> Which Just in this last episode. That's inside information that uh, people <laughs> don't need to know. We have we have sometimes talked to each other and said, hey, what about doing... Oh, heck, we already, already did that, did that one, one. Yeah, <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's still so many more great musicals out there and some shoddy ones as well that we should cover <laughs> sometime in the future and we you will because um, we've already done a little bit of walking down memory lane uh, both on the mics and off and now is probably a good chance to reminisce a little about our favourite um, backstage moments because there have been some rather weird and wonderful times over the past couple of years or thereabouts haven't they just we've, we've had some really, really interesting guests in the studio too yeah, well funny you should mention that I think probably my favourite thing about backstage has been some of our guest hosts and, and the people that we've gotten to meet and bring mm. on the airwaves um, you know between Hannah Mooney and Jacinta Parsons and John O'Freebian and John T we've got a posse yeah we got <laughs> we got a posse no big thing uh, mm. so we've got a little backstage crew which has also been really nice to share with you all and I think um what I've enjoyed about uh, working on this uh, particular project, you know, presenting backstage every week for as long as we've done it, um, has been the opportunity to talk about stuff um, from a, a slightly more elevated perspective, I think. You know, um, standing back and looking at the craft of what we do and examining why we do what we do and how we do it and what are the ethics behind the things And how we other do. people do it. Yeah, and it's a great opportunity for us anyway, or has been, to um, explore all of those things and sort of rekindle our own enthusiasm for getting involved. And in get doing to know stuff. our community a little bit better. Yeah. And So we will, uh, we will be back um, and we'll 
been talking about what we would do when we do come back and when that may be. Uh, and I think both of us feel a, a need to continue doing something in this vein mm. and maybe... You know, that will be even more guests coming in to talk about the areas of expertise. You know, people that make props, people that um, stage manage. And, well, and do you want, want us to, do to come else. backstage at your show and do little, like, backstage interviews? That'd yeah, be fun. That, that could be fun too. So, we've got all of that stuff ahead of us to think about and cogitate over. Cogitate? Is, is that the word? <laughs> I don't know. But for the final time this year, we're just about done for the week. Thank you, Free FM, as always, for hosting us. And thank you, for Creative Waikato, for sponsoring us these last couple of years. Yeah. The backstage episode backlog will be available for a little while on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, everywhere in between. And never fear, as we've said, it's not goodbye forever. We're just a tot half an hour while we concoct our next series of <laughs> evil plans. Our World domination secrets <laughs> and the busyness that has been uh, 2022 post COVID. We're going to do tonight, um, Brain. Yeah, we will be back. Take over the world. Mm. Mike and I will be back in 2023 with who knows actually what. Uh, we'll be revamping the brand, taking your suggestions for content, and maybe even introducing a little video presence. Yeah, check in in February, maybe. Or we'll thereabouts. See. Yeah, we'll see. Stay safe, stay warm, and stay sunscreened and COVID free out there over the summer. Yep. We're going out today, bowing out, with the titular track from our musical of the week, Love Never Dies. I have been Mel Martin Booker once again, and he's been Mike Williams. I probably will remain so as well. You've been backstage on Hamilton's 89.0 Free FM. Stay classy, theatre nerds. See you.
as you submit Surrender flesh and bone That love takes on a life Much bigger than your own It uses you at will And drives you to despair And forces you to feel More joy than you can bear Love gives you pleasure And love brings you pain when both are gone, love will still Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.